Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, Mike here, welcoming you, or welcoming you back, whichever it is, to the Age of Empires podcast. Um, best way to get in touch with the show, as always, just um, message me on Xbox uh, Live Messenger Kingdom of God, K A N E D O M, space of space god but um you know sorry if i sound even (laughs) more winded than usual my allergies are horrible we are also beginning winter here um in eastern pennsylvania uh so my my voice is kind of a mess and it's cold um so just probably gonna be breathing a little heavier than normal but i was hoping to do a show over the weekend um, unfortunately just did not have time to get that done. Uh, I don't, I don't know why I feel it's relevant to tell you guys. Um, I'm a stay at home dad. My wife's in healthcare. She does pretty well. So, um, I actually stay home with our son who's 19 months and, um, I coach small college football part-time, um, do a couple other things part-time but I also work at the local brewery and so weekends are just pretty busy for me um so I kind of thought I'd have more free time than I did this weekend but anyway that's the only reason that I didn't jump on um and do another show but all right so jumping into um excuse me most important thing that happened this week uh no no beer didn't drink any beer this week um, those of you that listen to the show know I typically do not hotkey. Um, I I drink a decent amount. Uh, usually craft beer. Although I have a lot of family members who are gluten-free and um, may or may not see a limited number of them this holiday season. Definitely won't see all of them. But so just kind of because of that, cider is... Um, a lot more prevalent at family gatherings for us. So I'm actually a pretty big fan of like hard cider. Uh, so this week I've just been crushing a bunch of those, um, down East unfiltered out of Boston mass is kind of my go-to definitely my favorite on like a day-to-day basis as far as hard cider goes. So I've been drinking their original blend, um, they also dropped their winter blend this week, or at least a hit PA this week, which is maybe the best alcoholic beverage um, out there. I don't know if anyone wouldn't like it. It's got like, I don't know, cinnamon, nutmeg, toasted something or other in there. And uh, well, it's delicious. So I've been doing those. I also did um, a cider from Vermont. Shaxbury cider I guess it's called and it was the Vermonter um it had gin botanicals so if you don't like gin you won't like it if you like gin you'll like it uh it's kind of the best way to describe it I like gin so I enjoyed it um my wife was not a fan I also grabbed I forget the name of the cidery uh, but out of New York, another unfiltered brand, like Down East. Um, and they had a Cran Mango blend, which 
was like juice and you could probably chug 35 um and you'd be you'd be pretty pretty messed up uh, a little interesting fact just kind of tied in maybe to aoe3 most of the taverns during the uh, colonial era and through the revolution served more cider than beer it's easier to make cheaper to make um need a lot less equipment a lot less of a process and so that was actually a more popular drink during that time period uh than beer so we all have the pictures of you know sam adams and those guys with steins full of beer actually more than likely would have been steins full of cider um so you know maybe just keep that in mind if you want to be uh period specific when you're playing aoe3 all right um other than that i had promised and um <laughs> i guess in a way i'm delivering kind of the historical background for the first historical battle in aoe3 the the uh capture of algiers in the year 1516 unfortunately um what the game has as you begin the scenario, that's about all the information that I could find. That was actually better than any of the write-ups um, on like Wikipedia or whatever. I did a couple searches for like history of Algiers, um, jumped on YouTube. Really that people were just kind of regurgitating the same like paragraph of information. 1516, these Barbary pirate brothers go to Algiers, take the city, defend it from the Spanish, and eventually deliver it to the Ottoman Empire. Um, other than that kind of like cursory information, the only thing I really found was the, the Sultan of Algiers... Um, was they they were taken over by the Spanish or they were, the Spanish were trying to take him over and so the Sultan of Algiers actually invited the two brothers in um and I'm not even going to try to say their names but basically they get the title and go down in history as Barbarossa um so he actually in, invites them into the city to fight off this he tells them to fight off the Spanish they discover or somehow come under the assumption i didn't really see anything that proved it one way or the other that he's actually working with the spanish to um i'm not sure i guess get the brothers captured so they they in turn execute him um when they take over the city now, the city of Algiers at the time was kind of like a walled-in city, which is pretty accurate in the game. You get your walled city. Uh, you could call it a fort, but that's confusing for the game. So, a walled city. Water on pretty much four sides with a bridge on one. And um, there's, there's a couple... There's not really any good maps, but there's a couple sort of like hand-drawn pictures from the time that I think the, the game must have used as, you know, to influence what what they what they put up for the buildings and everything. Because it, you know, the 
the gameplay looks like those drawings. So that was pretty cool. I always um, appreciate historical accuracy. But so these these two brothers, um, kill <laughs> kill the Sultan of Algiers and then defeat the Spanish when they come and try to take the city back. Um, kind of in like two waves. I couldn't find specifics on like the actual battle. Uh, there were a couple books on like the overall history of Algiers that I assume went into it more, but I really didn't find it that great of information. You know, like what I was hoping to find, and maybe you guys had this in your history class, but when we studied the American, when we studied the American Civil War, there was always like a breakdown in the book of almost like you know minute by minute like this is probably wrong but say 902 a.m um south assaults little round top like i was hoping to find that for all these battles could not find it for um this capture of algiers battle the other thing is if you look up battle of algiers there's been quite a few battles it's a port city um on the southern kind of like it's on the southwest half of the mediterranean um people have fought there all the time the the u.s marine corps i think or army was there very early on like maybe even during the revolution um so kind of kind of a, a interesting place for sure there have been quite a few battles there you know over the course of history um so one of the one of the other things I was trying to find was like where was this kind of walled in city? You know, where is it currently? Um So I went on Google Earth and tried to like locate it. There really wasn't it, it doesn't seem like anyone's 100% sure anymore. But as I was looking at it, you know, they've built up new wharfs and jetties and stuff over the centuries. Uh, I was getting really confused about like where what am I even looking at and one of the maps I believe from the 1700s kind of explained it in that in a lot of the pictures and the way the maps are drawn north for whatever reason is uh, to your right as you're looking at the map so if you orient it that way um, on like Google Earth or whatever you can kind of see, not exactly where, but it gives you a much clearer picture of why things are drawn the way they are. If you um, set it up so that north is to your right, the city of Algiers basically faces west uh, along the Mediterranean. So more, you know, more of the coastline is south of them and they're kind of facing west. Um and that, that just helps give you a better picture. And I guess they would be drawn that way because pretty much everyone would enter that city, you know, coming from the west, traveling to the east. Um, if, you, if, you know, assuming most people came from the Mediterranean Sea, that's kind of how you'd, you'd approach the city. That'd be the view you'd get. You'd get that um, eastward-facing view. So that actually did help me kind of picture it although it really didn't give me many more um specifics so my, my apologies this historical background kind of turned into a flop 
Uh, there's a lot more information on the Christopher de Gama um, level. So uh, I've already started that research. I'll get into that next week. That will be um, just a lot more information. But basically, after they defend the city from the Spanish, these two brothers um, in Algiers, they hand the city over to the Ottoman Empire. And they kind of join the Ottoman Navy. One dies in battle, I believe, again, defending Algiers. And the other one becomes, I forget if it was like an admiral or whatnot, but he moves up through the ranks. He becomes pretty well respected in the Ottoman Navy. Um, and so he gets the title Barbarossa, which I forget the translation, but you can easily look that up. And that's kind of how the two brothers go down through history um, as the Barbarossas. So, kind of interesting. Um, we see the introduction of Suleiman, Sultan Suleiman, who uh, was part of the Morgan Black deal. Um, <laughs> I just wish I, I had a little more to say about it. I don't. Like, like I did mention, pretty fun level, if nothing else. Um, but, you know, that's unfortunately kind of all the historical information I have on the capture of Algiers. Alright, so um, I guess now we'll jump into kind of my own personal like AOE experience. Um, if you listen last week, I did upgrade my computer finally. Uh, I've been very open on the podcast. Not a huge computer guy, not a huge gamer. Uh, AOE 2 and Assassin's Creed are kind of like the only video games I play. Um, and unfortunately, I do have to report my Logitech mouse is not AOE worthy. Uh, I bought a Logitech Bluetooth keyboard and a Logitech USB mouse with the new computer from Best Buy. And the mouse has kind of been a flop. Uh, I even I even spent some money on the... Uh, like mouse pads to go with it and um it just get it gets caught it's hard to play aoe with it it's fine if i'm just like you know doing whatever on the computer word processing um filling out a spreadsheet but like for aoe i couldn't do it uh, i actually have a mouse from cvs that i have no idea what brand it is whatever brand cvs sells and uh that on the mouse pad has been legit with the new computer. I've been really moving to the point where um, I've <laughs> I felt so good about myself later uh, or lately. I actually started to hockey a little bit, um, which definitely also contributed to the fact that I didn't drink any beer this week. Uh, which the the hockey stuff's cool. It's it's really simple. Um, basically top left is Q and you're working right across that row of keys for the top row, bottom or middle row is next, you know, ASDF, um, and then, uh, the, you know, like bottom left is Z. So pretty easy. Um, uh, always kind of makes me laugh that. T is uh, typically a toggle button, <laughs> like to um, 
to have farms automatically reproduce. Uh, so I started doing that. Definitely improved my gameplay. What I am currently doing to like practice to get better is I've tried a couple hard difficulty games and um, just couldn't get it couldn't get it done. There's something there's something economically that I'm not doing in the castle age. I'm able to keep pace into the castle age with the computer um, on hard and then I'm falling behind there. Um, and I'm actually falling behind on moderate as well. When I do that, the thing with moderate is I'm able to catch back up and then I've been I've actually been able to win um, pretty much every game on moderate and I'm playing full random. So kind of like I've suggested on the podcast, you gotta if you really want to get good, you gotta learn all the other sieves. Um, like for example, I know I can go on moderate and win against the computer playing almost any sieve with the Britons. I just know what I want to do with the Britons. Um, whereas I'm still kind of learning with other civs. Definitely playing through the historical campaigns helps in AoE too. So like I was the, I think it was the Malians where you have that, um, it's a fairly weak, to be honest, unique unit, but you can spawn a ton of them super fast. Like you can just crank these guys out there. They're fast they're no armor like on their body unit and they have um kind of like uh uh jeez <laughs> mc hammer pants sorry with like two long swords and they fly around and, but you can churn them out of castles which i'm a big castle player like i actually like the franks no one else ever wants to play with the franks they never get used um in online play from what i've seen but uh I really like being them because they have cheap castles and I can eventually get paladins. Um, but so I think it was the Malians and I meant to write down the, the name of the unit. Um, but if you guys play, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and like just from playing the campaigns, I knew as soon as I saw them, like, Hey, I'm going to not have strong units, but I'm going to be able to make a lot of them. And they're cheap. They're super cheap for a unit that comes out of your castle. And, um, I just focused a lot more on building houses because normally I kind of, I kind of get away from building houses because like I said, I'm a big castle player. So I know I'm going to get my population room with my castles. Um, also I'll get into it a little more, but just like watching the games online, um, I typically just sort of naturally get like 50 to 60 vills. I'm probably going to try to up that. It seems like the plan line need a little more. So um, those are a few things like just knowing the sieve. So when I go Malian, I know I want to build houses because I'm going to need, I'm going to need to be able to support a full population to win the game, even against the computer, which I was able to do. Um, being the Franks, just because they already came up, not as worried about it. I will get to the 200 
unit pop limit, even if I don't fill it with the Franks, because the castles are cheaper. I think they're, I think they're 448 stone for the Franks as opposed to 650. So you can you can get a ton of them, and then you can use those to defend gold, get enough gold to get paladin. And once you have paladins, especially playing a computer. Um, a fully upgraded paladin is just really hard to beat. And with the Franks, with those castles, you can grab that. Now, I don't, like I said, I don't play online a ton. I may start just because of the podcast. But um, for the for the computer, you have upgraded paladins. You're you're pretty much good to go. You're gonna win. Um, and I haven't found increasing the difficulty really to change that so far like i said i'm kind of moderate maybe dipping my my toe in the hard um although i definitely did lose on hard also if you've been following the show i did finally win a game on moderate with the vikings um after getting just absolutely crushed a couple times with them and really it just came down to i was trying to build the berserker and um Finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to focus on my militia infantry line because I believe they get champion. And I did that, and I was fine then. Um, but it's a, that. So there's that's a thing for me. That's always like something that you have to weigh is is this unique unit worth just kind of waiting for against a computer when like it's a lot easier to build a knight. If you're a paladin sieve, because the, those knights that you're investing in, as long as they're still alive, they eventually become paladins as you upgrade. Whereas if you can only go up to calves and. Sorry. Um, if you can only go up to cavaliers, it's harder to say, like, oh, I want to spend my gold on a knight, knowing that he can only ever become a cavalier. So that's something to keep in mind. Like when I see, oh, I'm going to get champions eventually, I build a lot more militia early in the game. Or like if I go to, um, to I think, Arblaster, the Arbs, if I see that, like, yeah, I can build a lot more crossbowmen early on, or archers, I guess they start as. Whereas when I play with the Britons, I want those elite longbowmen. So even though they have great crossbowmen, I'm not building as many or training as many because I'm not going to be using them as much later in the game. I'm just trying to get through. Um, I also did work on some early pressure games of just like, hey, I'm going to get a couple scouts, not normally how I play, and I'm going to go try to snipe some villagers. So I started working that into my games. I'll be honest, on my old computer, it just wasn't even fast enough for me to scroll and, and flip through all that. Um, the next thing I need to work on is command groups. And so um, control groups or command groups, basically it's just you hit um, like one of the, the number keys at the top of your keyboard and you can control a pre-selected um, units or a building. So a lot of the like high-end players will assign um, like all their stables so they can just click like two or whatever and it'll go through all their stables and they can create more 
um, you know, cav units or whatever. So, I don't know. I got to start working on that. You do a little bit of it in the Art of War stuff. Um, but, like I said, I, I don't do this podcast. I'm a competitive player. I just do it because I enjoy the game. I'm glad that other people are competitive at it because I, I do enjoy watching them um, and learning from them. And it, it is making me a better player to the point where I might jump into the online fray. I haven't decided yet. Um, but so that's kind of the next evolution in, you know, myself as a player, like I said, um, just being able to jump on and go full random for my Civ and my opponent's been a nice improvement. All right. Sorry. Um, it just turned six o'clock here where I live and, uh, we have like an old school clock tower in the center of town. Um, so it's like mid-November, and it's playing uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, pre, pre-Thanksgiving. So, not sure how I feel about that. I uh, appreciate the spirit, but, yeah, maybe a little early. Um, but so anyway, like, command groups and control groups just, you know, it allows you to, you don't have to find your building or unit on the map and then select it. You just click a button on your keyboard and you jump to it. So definitely worth um, learning how to do if you're going to play competitively. You know, speed is is just so huge. You know, because like whenever you click upgrade to Castle Age, that's a set time limit. Um, so if you're clicking it earlier, that's that's a good thing, especially if you've gotten the upgrades and got the military units to defend yourself. Like. That's something that you want to do. You want to be doing stuff as fast as possible. Um, and that's like I said, I have to figure out like what's going on in Castle Age that I'm falling so far behind economically. I think it's probably related to that villager count. I need to add 30 villagers. Um, and then I should probably be okay. And then I got to continue to kind of work that forward press of going up and sniping people, cutting their econ a little bit. I also did jump on, um, obviously with the release, I'm trying to play AOE 3, and then with the online tourneys, been doing AOE 2, but I did put a little bit of time in on the original game, um, or the definitive edition version. I played just one scenario um, from the the Glory of Greece campaign. Uh, that was for whatever reason I lost some that I completed on my profile when I um, upgraded the machine. If you remember, I had trouble getting my profile loaded on the first game for whatever reason, probably more to do with Microsoft or my internet than Age of Empires. But um, knocked out one Glory of Greece level. Was act- I played it on easy, but with the uh, with the new computer, it was super easy. Um, just able to go so fast, so much more fluid. Um, the levels were probably harder for me on the old computer than they should have been, just because it was so slow. Now it's like I feel like all my villagers have the have speed upgrades. Um, but anyway, the game also looked amazing. Uh, look great 
probably how the A originally intended it to look when they released the game in the 90s. Alright, the other thing that I promised to check in with you guys about was I joined the AOE Insiders Club. Um, it's cool, nothing spectacular so far. Uh, kind of a downer the first day I like logged in as an insider. I guess there were a bunch of negative comments about the ELO tournament and like some kind of inappropriate um, language, which like I guess they were purposely players who aren't the best in the world just kind of thrown into a tournament and so like I said it was it, it was interesting it was reassuring honestly to watch some people who who are like mm, shouldn't have done that um as opposed to like wow I never would even think to do that I have to steal that move but um I guess my guess is the uh the comments were about like mental functioning or whatever um so that was that was what I joined the insider club too was a post from one of the people at Microsoft that was kind of like, don't, you know, don't ever do that again, or there'll be a lot less going on in this community. Um, so obviously I'm just going to echo that. Like you, like I would hope you're not playing a 20 year old video game to, you know, feel better about who you are. You should just be doing it cause you enjoy it. Um, and then, you know, to, not so much that, like, you're making fun of someone if, you know, they do something dumb on the game. That's fine to say, but to drag, a, you know, another group of people um, that don't have any say over you know, whatever they might be dealing with on their daily life. That's just, don't do not do that. Like, I hope no one listening was part of that, um, but it's not, like, it's not that big of a community, so... Um, I don't know, just if it's not fun <laughs> or you need to do that to, to have Age of Empires be fun, like, I don't know, go play something else. Like, there's plenty of other games out there. Go play Call of Duty. I'm sure there's a bunch of hardos on Call of Duty. Um, so as far as Insiders Club, unfortunately, I don't have a great, um, review. I haven't been asked to give my opinion on anything yet, but, um... I don't know. It put a damper on me joining the club, having to see that for sure. So, oh, just keep that in mind. Like, like I said, there'll never be a Patreon for the show. Um, you know, our audience is growing, but it's small still. So, like, like I'm just doing this because I enjoy it. I hope you guys enjoy it. If it becomes something else where people need to be insulted, then you know I'm not gonna want to be around that. Um, so, anyway, just just keep that in mind. Like it's all it's all in fun, you know. I know guys are playing for or people are playing for thirty thousand dollars now as a prize pool, but like it's still just supposed to be fun. Like it's a video game from the nineties, uh, and so if you're still doing it, but it's not fun, it's like competitive or you need to be a jerk, then like I don't know, do something else. But kind of on the um, flip side of that, what what is going on that seems to be a, a pretty positive experience for everyone so far is 2v2 World Cup, um, which I've been watching the Twitch. Um, 
I typically follow, you know, T90 official. He's kind of the the godfather of of game casting the games online. I guess Tato is also doing the games. They're kind of the official um, Microsoft like <laughs> um, analysts. Uh, and I guess, you know, Tato is, is, um, from Spain. I guess he's doing it in Spanish. So I'm watching T90 official. I have very rudimentary, um, Spanish skills. So I watch the English broadcast helps that he's even an American. So he doesn't use expressions. I don't even know, but, um, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know if you get as much out of it, like developing your gameplay as you do out of just one-on-one games. But it's a really, really interesting deal just because, like, some countries, um, they might have a top 15, top 20 player, but they don't have two. Uh, whereas I think Norway, I know Norway's Viper, and I think M- MBL, um, you know, two top 10 players in the world, they're, they're probably going to go pretty far. Um, some other countries you know, don't have that many. And then it's cool. I, I like how they did it at first. I think my initial reaction was like a lot of other people where <clears throat> if there's, um, there's a couple countries where there are two teams just cause they have so many good players. So like I watched the Canada A and B teams go at it the other day, they purposely matched them up early because they wanted it to be like a world cup. They want the finals to be different countries. Um, so I, Initially, I was kind of like, "Oh, that that's weird," but they like they don't want just using them as an example. They don't want an all Canada final. They want you know the final eight games or whatever to be um, from people from from different countries. And so it's a it's a best of five format. Um, teams can have three players with so they have one sub, but it's two players at a time versus two players from another country at a time. And um, they just kind of battle it out. So they had a draft for the sieves. Um, so there are a lot of sieves in play. Like we've talked about quite a bit how, um, you know, I like to be the Britons, but they're not considered a top civilization. They've been in, they've been drafted by almost everyone. Um, just because you're down, you're down near lower level sieves. And then you pick a whole number of sieves, um, and then you go, you also get to pick um, a number of maps, and I forget how they pick the first map, but after that, the loser picks the map. So it's maps that, you know, you'd assume the losing team has practiced on a bunch and and knows what they want to do and how to play it and stuff like that. Um there are like a limited number of maps. It's not just an open map pool. Uh, like Ghost Lake, Scandinavia are definitely on there. And, um, you know, there's a cool little intro video that shows everything too. But so it's it's funky in that typically what the teams have been going with is one player will be like an archer sieve. So like Britons or Mayans. Um, another one will be a night sieve where they're going to be able to eventually get paladins. And it seems the breaking point on a lot of the games has been when are both players 
clicking up to the Imperial Age. Um, it seems like if if you get both your guys to the Imperial Age first, you're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, all the players are pretty good, so they've they've got a pretty good um, handle on building their econ. Like I was saying earlier in the episode, a lot of these guys are going up to a hundred vils, which is more econ than I typically play with, being mostly against the computer. Um, but so I was also talking about how I'm noticing something in Castle Age where I fall behind econ wise, and I'm guessing that um, you know, I'm probably just not making enough vils, even though I'm going to sometimes three town centers. I probably just need to commit to three and, um, you know, get up to a hundred bills. Um, but so all these guys are pretty much doing that. They're really, really good at like the raids. So the, the, um, a lot of times the cavalry sieve will make a bunch of scouts early, go out with like anywhere from four to say, I'd say eight on the real high end, typically more like four to six. And just pick off some vills, force some quick walls, slow down some economy. Um, and then the the archer sieve will run a little bit more of defense, both in their village and their kind of allies um, village. And you can really, really see what teams are, you know, two good players. Because they'll team up and, and hit a weaker opponent and kind of leave one guy standing on his own. Um, but it's, it's nice with the 2v2 that the games do go a lot longer. So like in hidden cup, there were a lot of games decided before anyone got to the Imperial age. You're seeing people like while they're up, up in the castle, like winning the game. Um, in this, cause you do have two players and, and everyone's, you know, decent there. Um, the games are lasting a lot longer. You're seeing people like get to the point where they're building multiple castles, always trying to find the high ground for the castles, it's um so it's interesting that way you're getting to see players kind of think it out you know i don't know like i said i don't know how much you're gonna learn if you're not playing two on two tournaments because you're um you're (laughs) you're kind of looking at a game that you might not see a ton and like if you don't have to build any cavalry units you're not you're not seeing the mix for a single a single player, but a lot of Palisade Wall with a house wall behind it, um, particularly for whatever Civ has the better archers. So, like, um, I forget what game it was. I think it was Chile versus somebody, but it was Britons versus Chinese, and the person with the Chinese Civ was trying to attack the person with the British one, but the... British crossbows are better than the Chinese in that they have one more distance. So they're actually able to sit behind their wall and they drove the attack away that way because the uh, the the Chinese crossbowmen couldn't get close enough to hit the British crossbowmen and they were getting hit the whole time. So interesting things like that. Um, it's definitely a lot of fun. I have not caught a Norway game yet. Um you know, I've been I've been watching the games. I ha- I haven't had a ton of time to sit and watch like a full one. So I've been tuning in whenever I see T ninety um, game casting them. And um, 
you know, it, it'll be interesting the rest of the way. I, th- I think a lot of people think Norway's going to win just because they have two of the top players, which makes a ton of sense. But, you know, at least there's a shot. Um, a group can maybe just work better to offset the individual differences against them. So we'll see. It's fun tournament. Um, the prize pool is thirty grand. I don't know if that's all to the winning team or what. Um, but you know that's that's a decent that's a decent chunk of change. And I guess Microsoft and and T ninety put the money up. Um. So I don't know. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it, getting a chance to check it out. Uh, I'm hoping to not necessarily get one of the players from 2v2 world cup but maybe someone else to uh maybe do an interview so i'll keep you guys um posted on that all right so that's pretty much the show for the week uh sorry that last segment's got my uh my co-host chiming in um with limited vocabulary but uh hopefully you guys are enjoying everything as always if you want to reach out to the show message me at um Kingdom of God, K-A-N-E-D-O-M, space of, space God. Just started playing the new <laughs> AoE 2 patch um, last night, late last night. I got the update. But, um, you know, I'll have some stuff on that. And um, the Christopher DeGama history next week. So, anyway, hope you guys are enjoying the show. Um, definitely feel free to let other people know about it and, uh, any suggestions or comments, you know, just message me on uh, Xbox live. All right. Thanks. Talk to you guys soon. Hey, what's going on everybody? Um, sorry for the delay and getting the uh, last podcast out. I guess it's been like a month. Um, unfortunately just been really busy, not with any unfortunate things, just been busy, um, so kind of like I said, if you've been listening all along, then, you know, I can't really commit to a regular schedule. I'm hoping this is the longest break that I will have to take. It was great for a while. I was working out every week. I was able to get on and um, do a podcast, but, you know, obviously it was more like a month this time around. So my apologies on that. Um, just kind of unfortunately where where the show's at um like i said i don't you know i'm never gonna have a patreon i don't really want you guys to pay for the show Uh, unfortunately that just means you have to put up with kind of some unexplained hiatus and um hopefully it'll happen less moving forward definitely going into winter a lot less going on but um you know again my apologies and um Anyway, let's get rolling. This is your host, Mike, um, doing the Age of Empires podcast. If you would like to interact with me, um, any feedback on the show, best way to get in touch with me is message me on the uh, Xbox Messenger app. Um, my gamer tag is Kingdom of God, K-A-N-E-D-O-M, space of, space God. All right, so what I've been doing is obviously just Thanksgiving um, was busy with with the family and stuff. Um, no, <laughs> no big gatherings. You don't have to worry. COVID. Um, we just saw my my mom who watches my kid on a regular basis, and my wife's family who also watches. Um, 
my son on a regular basis. So we had no uh, no new contact with anyone over that time. But we, we did spend a lot of time together, that group that, you know, just with childcare, we've, we've been around each other a lot anyway. Um, my wife's mom helps both us and her sister out with childcare. So um, kind of that family pod has been exposed to each other the whole time. So we, d- we did have... A smaller than normal, but at least all family able to be there um, Thanksgiving dinner. So that that was kind of cool. Um, again, just took a bunch of time. And then, you know, um, cases in PA where I live have been on the rise. So, um, you know, we kind of thought they might shut us down again. They basically put us back to what we have here almost as red phase is what it was called, where everything was shut down. They are allowing religious services to be in person up to, you know, the congregation, the church, the synagogue, whatever, which I think is great. I think that's how it should be um, if they can do it at, at six feet apart, which unfortunately a lot of those places are not full except for Christmas and Easter. Um, so it's easy for them to social distance. Then there's, there's really no reason not to, in my opinion. Um, unfortunately, they did shut down some of the indoor dining and gyms, which at the beginning of all this, I was totally for and totally understood now because there's no real evidence to like those places have been open since May around here. And and now they're shut down. Um, when, I mean, (laughs) places that have been open since May, I don't think cause a spike and like, I've been going to both of those since they've been open. The numbers have been, uh, attendance has been dwindling, not rising. So I don't know. I feel like maybe that's a little bit of an overreach, but whatever it is, what it is, everyone's trying to stay safe. Um, but so anyway, that my wife decided that she would rather just have a home gym. Um, you know, not to get too into it, but, um, my wife had help syndrome with our first child, an only child at the moment. So she um, basically almost died. Um, he was born really early. He's not yet two. And, um, you know, it took a while for her body to recover. And then right as she was kind of getting back to normal, COVID hit. So um, we um, we just haven't been able to get to the gym as much as we'd like. And obviously having a baby too, you know, everything's great now. But um, she decided she really wanted a home gym. So basically I framed out half our basement, um, updated all the lighting, electric, ran a couple circuits just for like the heavy equipment, like a treadmill. We bought a treadmill, which is the soul F six sixty three F 63 soul. Um, pretty sweet treadmill it was a thousand bucks, a pain to move. It is really heavy. My neighbor and I were drenched in sweat. We have a really narrow entrance to our basement. Um, but so we did that and then I just grabbed like a little squat rack from Dick's Sporting Goods with the 300 pound weight set. So all told I'm into it for less than 700 bucks and I can pretty much do everything I need. Um, I don't have a bench, which obviously this isn't a, uh, weightlifting podcast. It's a computer game podcast, but you know, I know everyone's shut down. Um, so those two things together were like 1700 bucks and then um we've got a 2000 square foot home our basement is not finished but we have forced hot water heating um so it gets some heat so i uh i just framed out half of it and um 
did an epoxy flooring and sheetrock. I still have to do some minor sheetrock paint and spackle, but that was basically a thousand bucks. The floor was like three hundred dollars. Um, the roll-on epoxy coating. So I don't know if you're um, if you're looking to update. You know, a home gym. I um, I got some sweet outlets with USB chargers in them. I also got a really nice um, like TV wall mount that pivots and everything. It was a hundred bucks. Um, it's this company called like uh, Commercial Electric at Home Depot. It's I it might be a Home Depot brand. I'm not sure to be honest, but it's awesome. I can't give it um, a higher recommendation. So if you're looking to update, um, looking to get like a swivel tv wall mount for a flat screen um that one's pretty good you know most people i don't think play on like a true computer monitor anymore i know i play on like a 44 inch tv um which is on a desk that i sit right in front of so great product definitely would be awesome um if i needed it for my age of empire screen mine's down in my gym but um, more or less, that ate up a ton of my time, getting the gym up and running um, for both my wife and myself so we can we can actually try to get back in shape for the first time since our kid was born in COVID. Um, so anyway, hope you guys are staying safe. Hope that numbers in your air are lower um, and you're able to, you know, do some more social stuff if, if you want to, if you feel comfortable. Um, but anyway, that's, that's been a huge time suck as well as just, you know, some of the family stuff around the holidays, Christmas decorating. I probably lost a podcast episode to get my Christmas lights on my house. Um, so hope you guys are enjoying wherever you are, the, the, uh, holiday winter season. Um, and then, like I said, hopefully there will not be such long breaks in between shows moving forward. Another thing I've been losing some Age of Empires time to, not so much the podcast, but just gameplay, is um, I kind of mentioned a couple times, the only other video game I really play consistently is Assassin's Creed. Um, if you play or follow that franchise, you know that Valhalla just came out. Unfortunately, I've been playing since one. I've pretty much played all of them. Um, Rogue, Liberation, Syndicate, all those. Um, Valhalla might be my last one, which is weird to say. I've been playing the game since early college. Um, just I love, love, absolutely love the Viking stuff in England. I want to throw that out there, just going through the world, riding on the longship, the whole deal. Um, really enjoying the plot, actually, because they at least have the Assassin Brotherhood in it, which was missing in uh, Odyssey. I'm just, I'm kind of done with the monsters. Um, if you play the game at all, you do some Norse mythology stuff that just, I'm sorry. If I wanted to play God of War, I would have bought God of War. I didn't. I bought Assassin's Creed. I want to play Assassin's Creed. Um, also like kind of like the hero boss units. Um, I, I just miss like the old games where you could just go and do whatever, you know, you were pretty, you were introduced to basically all the bad guys you're going to face in the first like couple hours of gameplay. According to my Xbox, I'm at 45 hours of gameplay already in Valhalla. 
and I probably loved 38 of those hours. Um, I don't think I've played that much, to be honest, but according to the game, that, that other portion, though, I've actually hated, completely hated. And like I said, to the point, I will finish Valhalla is my intention at this point. Um, I, but I'll probably be able to play a lot more Age of Empires moving forward because I'll be down to one video game in my life, um, or at least one series. So I don't know. I don't know how you guys, you know, like I said before, I love Age of Empires for a lot of the historical stuff, and some of that's great in Valhalla and all the Age of or Assassin's Creed. Um, I'm just, I'm just not into, I'm not into killing ten thousand wolves every time I walk through the woods. Uh, I don't want to kill wolves. I don't buy Assassin's Creed to fight wolves. Um, which was a huge issue in Assassin's Creed 3, and they had kind of fixed it, except for, like, Black Flag, you had to fight way too many sharks. I'm fighting way too many wolves in, in this game. Um, and then, like I said, I'm fighting, like, mythical creatures, which I just don't... I never like. I don't buy video games to do that. A lot of people have told me I got to get on Red Dead. Um, so who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe I'll casually mention Red Dead in some upcoming episodes. But... Um, you know, I don't know if, if you guys are like me and you like Age of Empires, you probably would like the early Assassin's Creeds um, or Assassin's Creeds. But uh, I don't know. Valhalla for as great as so much of it is, there's enough going on. I'm just like, I'm not spending the money to continue to play these. Maybe I'll buy them later on. Uh, but they're huge games. They take me a long time to beat. And... Um, I don't know. It just, it could be better. Unfortunately, this one's a lot like um, AC3, the the American Revolution one, where as much as I'm enjoying it, uh, there's just so much that it's it's leave, let me down on. So um, just chiming in on that, it's not obviously an AC podcast. We'll get back to Age of Empires, but um, kind of wanted to mention that. All right. Now, the last podcast I did do was a total flop with my... Um, kind of historical updates so um i am gonna come right out and admit to we got a little bit of a flop here 2v2 world cups going on i really wanted to you know commentate on it um talk about it as much as possible on on this episode um or just through the whole tournament i was hoping it'd be multiple episodes honestly Unfortunately, I've just not been able to keep up with it. It's it is a lot of content, and like I said, I always tell you guys go watch. You know, T ninety, he kind of does like the play by play, and then I was hoping to kind of fill a little bit of that radio host void, and um, I've barely watched it. I know that China, Brazil, I think Brazil, definitely China and Norway are still going. Um, T ninety's been rerunning everything. Jump on and watch it. It's definitely worth watching. I just have not watched nearly as much as I wanted to. I haven't even seen a match in like a week. Um, there's another Age of Empires podcast that he put an episode out saying it was ending, and that was why I started doing this podcast. Um, but he did have an episode about 2v2 World Cup. I didn't even get to listen to that, but the other podcasts he did were great, so I would definitely encourage you guys to um, to jump on there, listen to those, and... Um, you know, the 2v2 stuff's great. I I feel horrible that I wasn't able to keep up with it more, not only for the podcast, but just 
it, it's a great thing for the community. Um, and that's really all I want this podcast to be is in addition to the community, it's never going to be the focal point. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel bad about that. I'm really sorry. <laughs> um, like I actually feel bad about it, but I'm going to try to get back into it this week. Um, like I said, just a lot has been going on. We've been transitioning at the, all the part-time jobs I have with the new restrictions. So I'm, you know, learning new jobs or whatever, plus building a home gym, plus trying to play Age of Empires and Assassin's Creed. Um, also, my kid is at an age where there's no, when I'm with him, I'm with him. There's no video games anymore. There's no podcasts. He won't sit in the stroller long enough on walks. Uh, um, <clears throat> so like I said, my apologies. I'm going to get out of the way early in the episode. Um, I got no 2v2 insight for you and and my deepest apologies on that. I hope you can forgive me. All right, so right now, um, and actually, the Age of Empires 3, the first event, just finished today. Um, I actually didn't get through it. Like I said, I've been so busy. I jumped on today. I had like an hour and a half left when I got on to complete the entire run of the challenges and didn't get through it. Um, I played as the Incas, I played as the Swedes, and literally I started those games and clicked off just to try to get done. I got to the one where you had to defeat 10 naval ships, and I was trying to, I was playing the game starting at post-Imperial um, Age, fast speed, on easy, and the the opponent didn't make any ships, <laughs> so I can't sink ships that don't exist. So I tried it again on standard, which is the next level up. Um, again, they only made one ship. So I got one one kill there, but I was just running out of time. I knew I wasn't going to get through it. I tried to do a custom scenario, which I had never done in Age of Empires 3. If it was AOE 1 or 2, I would have been able to get it done. I was going to do a custom scenario, give them 10 ships, give myself like 30, quick sync them, get the... Uh, it was all gamer tag icons were the rewards get the reward, get out of Dodge, have completed the first, um, and to this point, only AOE 3 event, and uh, just wasn't able to. Uh, so, I, you know, I felt bad about that. But like I said before, like there, I do appreciate a little bit that you have to put some effort into completing the challenges. Like, I didn't complete the Barbarossa Brawl one in AOE 2. I wasn't able to stay alive for 30 minutes. And... Like, as a casual player who's admittedly not very good at the game, that was cool. Like, I actually kind of, like, gave them props. Because then, to you guys that were able to do it, like, good for you. Like, you're better than I am. You're better than a lot of people at the game. So, um, you know, more props to you. But um, I did not complete the the first AOE 3 challenge. I feel a little bad about that because I definitely could have if I had been more on top of it and with more time. Um, because I was playing so late, I didn't have the wait times like I have on the AOE 2 because I usually start right away on the challenges. Um, so I felt bad about that, but, you know, it is what it is. If, if you're a committed player, then congratulations. I hope you got all the gamer tag icons and, um, you know, just have the accomplishment of completing that challenge. They weren't hard. Like, I think the hardest one was probably start at Nomad and Advance of the Imperial Age. But you could play, you know, they always make it so you can play the computer to do it usually which I appreciate. Um, but uh, it was starting at Nomad and get to the Imperial Age. 
I didn't get to that. And I, like I said, I didn't sink the 10 naval ships. So that was where I, I stopped. I played as the Incas and the Swedes. And uh, there was one other one that I that I accomplished. But anyway, um, good first event, I think, especially for a game that's not as popular. They kind of have to make, I think, the challenges appeal to a large base, get some more people in on the game, playing the game, and more comfortable. Um, so n- nothing really outstanding, but um, I did enjoy the first AOE 3 event. Also, just with how busy I've been, I did complete the November AOE 2 event, um, which was them rolling out the Battle Royale. I did not, I don't even remember it, and I didn't talk about it on the podcast, but um, basically you had to play Battle Royale, and you actually had to play a deathmatch or skirmish or whatever online, Um, so I've said multiple times that, um, you know, the host here will not be doing a beat the host challenge, I am not a very good player, I typically play the computer on standard or moderate um i think i've only beaten the computer once on hard i've not been playing a lot either at the time of the november event i was playing probably two hours a day assassin's creed hadn't come out yet wasn't the holiday season my kid was taking a ton of naps um so that was cool and it definitely highlighted at least for me one of the things to talk about which is getting on twitch watch the best players play so uh, unlike the 2v2 World Cup, I was able to watch a lot of the Battle Royale uh, competition, that T91 that I talked about in the last episode. So when I had to play, one of the challenges was finish in the top half of a Battle Royale game. So um, you start off, you play Battle Royale, you can play against a computer, 1v1. Um, I didn't realize I had it on easy. Obviously, I won that, slaughtered the computer. Then he had to play online, though, for, I think, the third challenge. And you had to get um, – might have been the last challenge, actually. Excuse me. You had to get in the top half of a Battle Royale game. I was probably the fifth best player. I had the fifth highest score. Um, but because I had watched the the top players in the world play the Battle Royale, T90, Viper, all those guys, um, I knew just survive, just run around. And so I should have been dead or ranked fifth. I ended up passing two people and got to third. And literally I had my two hero units left. I had two horses, um, horseback hero units. Can't remember what civ I was. And I just ran around and hid, stayed on the edge of the storm. Didn't get swallowed up by the storm. Um, Your players do die if you let them get swallowed up by the storm. I did find that out in the battle royale. And I was able to... Passed two other guys, got to third, got my achievement in one try, and got out of dodge. Because for someone who doesn't play online, doesn't like Fortnite, um, don't really love the the storm that knocks everything out and kills everything, whatever kind of storm that would be. Um, Not going to play a lot of Battle Royale. That was great. One shot, done. Now, if I had not watched those, you know, pros play, I wouldn't have done as well. So jump on Twitch, get on T90's channel. Um, Jordan, uh, Gilly, all those guys watch their stuff. Viper, you know, learn how to play, listen to how they approach the stuff. Do your, um, do your art of war campaigns. All that stuff helps. So 
Um, battle Royale was fun. I will never, ever do a Battle Royale outside of a challenge. <laughs> um, it was fun as a challenge. I will not enjoy that game mode uh, personally. But whatever. Some people might love it. It is a little faster pace. I get they're trying to appeal to a broader audience by adding that option. Um, but long story short, jump on T90 official Twitch. Got all the reruns. Um, learn how to play the game. I'd watch the pros play. I was able to pass two people in my initial battle royale game, get a higher score, get my gamer tag reward, and got out of dodge. Also, at that challenge, you had to play two online multiplayer games. Um, and as I've said before, I don't play a lot online. I don't ever intend to. I don't play enough, but I watch the pros play. I put invest some time into watching guys on Twitch, watching Viper, watching Mr. Uh, Mr. Yo, watching Tato. And I'm 2-0, happy to report. So the first guy I played, I don't think he cared if he won. Um, I think he, you just had to play to win the challenge. And so I was going to do it. I was like, whatever. You know, if I lose, I still get my gamer tag. But let's do, let's do the whole deal. Like if you, when I do the challenges, you have to play the certain civilization. I play the whole game. I, in the AOE 3, because I was up against the clock, um, for the Swedes and Inca one, I just started the game and quick canceled, got out of it. Um, I don't normally do that when I have more time. So I wasn't going to do that. So I jump online. Plus that's, I didn't, you don't know that the other person's just doing it to get the challenge. So I feel like you at least owe it to them to play the game. Um, so I was going to play the game. I was, I was sticking with Britons just because I wanted to see if I knew. Um, so if you've heard me talk before, I play a lot with the Britons and the Franks. Um, I'm one of the few people that seems to have those as their favorite Civ. Even though Britons do come up a lot in 2v2 because they're a great archer Civ. So if you can pair them with a Cav Civ, they're good. But on single play, they're really not that great of a civilization. So anyway, I was Britons. I'm like, whatever. I'm just going to be safe. Knock it. You know, knock it. Destroyed. He sent... Um, he had a ton of villagers. It was almost like he was going to boom. He couldn't make up his mind if he just wanted to get his gamer tag or actually play. So he had a ton of villagers. I had gotten my archers upgraded to crossbowmen. And he attacked my base. Um, now, if you've listened to the show a lot, you know I'm not totally worried about being the first player to Castle Age. I am worried, especially with the Britons, about being the first player to get a castle. Because I need to get my longbowman. Uh, so I wasn't even there yet. I didn't have a castle. But because I've been watching T90 Official, getting on Twitch, learning as much as I can about gameplay, uh, more for this podcast than for my own even, you know, experience on there, I knew I better have some archers. I had them upgraded to crossbowmen, which the Britons have great crossbowmen, um, plus one range. So you can shoot other crossbowmen without getting your guy shot if you're behind a wall. And we played, oh man, I forget the map's name. You guys would know it though. It's it's you start off with a walled in, you're walled in on three sides of the forest on the other. And on the other side of the forest is your opponent with a similar setup. So he sends a ton of villagers and a couple um 
couple infantry units over, militia line units. And they actually did break through my wall, but I was able to shoot them down. Um, I quick, I quick build a tower. I had some houses to slow them down as well. And with a relatively small number of crossbowmen, I knocked them out. So that, and that was like 30 bills, which isn't, you know, killing villagers with military units, big deal. But there's a lot of them. I even brought my scout back to kill some of the villagers, but I got them done. So at that point, I pretty much knew I had won, but I wasn't really sure, like, is this guy just really good? And he had all these villagers to waste and he's laughing at me or like, what's up? Should I go attack his base or should I just kind of do my thing? You know, I think he did have to maybe, yeah, he just had to play um, for that challenge. So I, I didn't know what to do. Like I said, you know, I don't want to be the guy that's ruining people's experience when I'm only going to be on there for challenges. So I just kept doing my thing, got some units, got to Castle Age. And I was like, okay, let's go take a look. Um, he was still doing some econs, which kind of confused me. It was like he thought, okay, that didn't work, but this guy's not so good, so I'm going to keep playing. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I was confused. So I raided him a little bit, had some uh, had some more crossbowmen and longbowmen kind of hanging out on the, like, what you'd call the western side of the map. And then I did keep a couple troops back. He attacked on the eastern side of my fort this time. And um, I actually had enough guys there, was powerful enough. At that point, I think I did have a castle stopped that attack. It was only like eight units and a couple were villagers and uh, then said I won. So it was kind of weird, but whatever. Like I said, I think he was just playing for the challenge. My other online game, you had to get to the Imperial each. So, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, I'm really not that good. I'm just going to be the Franks. I got Paladins. We're trying to get to the Imperial each. Um, I got the cheap castles, which I just got to get defensive and get to the Imperial Age. And we played, um, not Gold Pit, but the one with gold in the water. There's like an island in the middle. There's shallows. Island in the middle, a bunch of gold there. So I go Franks. The guy I was playing probably plays online more than me. Um, definitely is not watching the best players in the world. Definitely not on Twitch. Definitely not. You know, doesn't know who T90 is. So he just kind of like played... It was like I was playing myself back in the 90s or early 2000s. Um, he had like this super neat base, like all clean lines, putting like all his farms right together, not clustered around where you could quit garrison. And um, so I just kind of do my thing, housing walls, get my farms. I'm the Frank, so you know I'm castling quick. And as soon as I could... I got out and I started putting castles right near that goal on that island. I ended up with like three castles on that island. Um, now I've got all the gold. I get to Imperial Age. He's still in Castle Age. He tried to attack me. I was actually, because I had so much gold, I was able to get paladins and it was rap. I mean, I, I, I did to that guy what I thought was going to happen to me. Um, I had like three trebuchets pounding them. And, you know, he had like towers interwoven into a palisade walls and it looked great it looked like you know a custom scenario build it didn't get the job done 
Um, you know, like I said, I got three castles on this little teeny island. I got trebuchets set up, so even if he brought trebs, I'm knocking them down. I got paladins. I forget what Civ he even was. I think the Italians, um, which not really known as a great Civ either. And paladins are just going to slaughter your uh, Genoese crossbowmen. Like, sorry. <laughs> so, um, but honestly, like, I knew my Civ. I definitely knew my Civ better than him. I knew how to play better than him, and I knew the map better than him. Right when we started, I knew, like, I got to get this gold. I got a castle on this gold, defend this gold. Um, you know, at that point, almost, I needed to protect my home base food and protect that gold in the middle of the map. And I knew if I did that, I was going to win, and I did. Um, so, your humble host, who uh, admittedly, if you're listening to this, you're probably a lot better than me, I'm 2 and all online. Uh, We'll see until we have a challenge where you have to play online. I will remain two and all online. Uh, and then I'll probably be two and one. But anyway, can't can't pound enough the point of you got to get on Twitch. Like, it's great that you're listening to this because, like I said, I'll always talk about gameplay. I'll talk about my strategy, talk about why it worked or why it got slaughtered because um, that will happen eventually. But, um, you know, definitely uh, – Definitely get on Twitch. T90 has a ton of stuff. And, um, you know, you'll be you'll be better when you get in those scenarios. You'll be better against the computer, and you'll be better against live people. So, like, I played two people who aren't as good as a computer on standard, to be totally honest. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm overestimating the community because I am watching the pros. But, like... You know, it takes it takes a lot of time to be really good at the game. It takes a lot of time just to be efficient at the game. It takes a lot of time to be really good, and you have to do it consistently. Um, so, like, right now, if I jumped on tonight, I haven't played in a while. If I'm not the Britons, I got no shot. Got no shot. Like, I can't go on. I'm trying to learn some other civs. Um, would love to get better with the Koreans. But, um, you know, I, I got to... I got to put a lot of time in to do that, and I just haven't had that time lately. But um, I don't know. Point is, hop on. And um, I appreciated the the November AOE2 thing just because it did get me out of my comfort zone, made me better at the game. It kind of hit perfectly for me that I was playing a lot and was at a high level of my play on, on the game. If I had to do that this month, I'd probably be cursing it out. Um, but again, like I, I don't think as a casual player, I should be able to beat every challenge. So the AOE two, um, November challenge was cool. I'm in the AOE two December challenges right now. They're basically play, um, play the game. So I kind of forget off the top of my head what they even are. You have to win games. You have to win skirmishes on a variety of difficulties. I think it only goes up to standard. Um, So I could have done my last one on easy. I just played the computer. I haven't played in a long time. And I was having trouble with my my Bluetooth keyboard. The computer had to be restarted. And basically the keyboard when I was playing was like I was holding down shift. So I lost like 45 minutes figuring that out um, of that time (laughs) where I could play. And um, I just did on standard, haven't played in a while. Like I said, wasn't sold. I had fixed the problem when I went into the game. Basically, like, it was like all my units were, if I had selected a unit, 
it was staying selected and I couldn't drag and select units. Pain in the rear end. Just had to restart the computer, got it fixed. Um, but so, it, they're pretty basic challenges. Basically, play the game. If you play the game, you can play the computer. Yeah, I, I think the hardest one is you have to beat the computer on standard, which is the next step up from easy. Um, so I'd assume, you know, like I do a lot, if you're listening to this, you've invested some time in the game. And um, standard's probably not that hard for you. So it'll be a pretty easy challenge group, which <laughs> around the holidays is great. Especially too, like even the every I think everyone who really plays and follows everything wants to watch two v two. I'm gonna try to get some hours of two v two tomorrow to kind of get caught up, so I can talk about it a little bit. Um, but so like you know, not having the hardest challenges with two v two going on in the holidays, um, I appreciate it. So props to um, props to the team at Microsoft for that. <laughs> Also, just wanted to throw an update. Um, you know, I, like this is a very small podcast, but we have a small group of people that seem really loyal that listen, so I appreciate that. Um, but like any products that I use that I like, I'll always throw out there, uh, like the weightlifting equipment. Um, I had made a negative comment about my Logitech mouse. Turns out I had a bad USB port. So that mouse is actually awesome. Um, I did buy the... The mouse pads for like eight bucks. I got three of them, which I don't know if they wear out. I don't understand why I need three, but anyway, I have three. Um, so if you're really hard up for cash and you need a mouse pad or two, let me know. But um, I the mouse is fine. It was the USB port for whatever reason. It couldn't handle the data coming in from the mouse. It works like if I plug um, USB drives into it, um, but I have a Bluetooth Logitech keyboard and a wireless Logitech mouse. Both work great. Like I said I, earlier, I had to restart my computer because the keyboard was a little wild today. Um, like the shift key was being held down, which I don't know why that glitch would happen, but it did. Anyway, it was an easy enough fix. And if you've been listening to the show, you know I've got a solid state uh, CPU, solid state hard drive CPU. So my reboot time is like, you know, seven seconds or whatever. And um, I was good to go. But so anyway, I did want to amend that um, the Logitech mouse is actually pretty good and uh, very comfortable. And I've been able to start hotkeying with my Stellar keyboard as well. Um, I'm, I'm like a, I'm like a regular old pro nowadays. Not really. But, um, you know, it is true what I said before. You need good equipment. Uh, I thought I didn't have it, but I did. Um, just that one USB port for whatever reason couldn't handle the constant input from the mouse, even though it works fine with every other function. So who knows? I guess keeping an eye on stuff like that, plug stuff into a different port before you say that the product stinks. Um, but, you know, anyway, um, have good equipment. You know, you might have to update your computer like I did, <laughs> um, but it pays off. All right. So. I guess I would probably call this next part um, the shining moment of this episode. So one of the things I want to do, which I definitely um, love the idea for me, I, I like the history of, of stuff. The other AOE podcast does. It's been doing the history of AOE one. And just because of I started this podcast kind of 
at the same time as AOE 3 Definitive Edition launched. I wanted to do sort of more historical detail on the historical battles of Age of Empires 3. Um, and so I did the... I did the capture of Algiers in 1516, I believe, last episode. Unfortunately, the information out there on the internet um, really didn't add anything to what the game did. So the game had a pretty good write-up. This next one actually really did. So it's Christopher de Gama um, in Ethiopia. And he is the, he is the son of... Uh, sorry... The Gama, the explorer that we all learned about in history. And I forget the first name. Fernando, maybe. Um, my apologies. I'm butchering that. I know I am. But the Gama, you, you, you know the name. Um, so anyway, this is his son, Christopher. And he was born approximately 1516. No one's really sure. He dies August 29, 1542, which we'll uh, get into a little bit later. But so most of this, honestly, is just off Wikipedia. Um, so I hope you guys like the idea of this, that basically you don't have to go on and read the article. I'm just going to talk about it. You can learn about it if you're, you know, doing chores, mowing the lawn, whatever, driving around. But, you know, Christopher da Gama is Portuguese, like his explorer father. He leads a crusade of 400 musketeers into Ethiopia. This is a two-year crusade. It lasts from 1541 to 1543. And when he gets there, he ends up going against an army of um, Adal Muslims led by this guy named Al-Ghazi. And Al-Ghazi is backed by the Ottoman Empire, obviously a Muslim empire. Um, and I believe Sultan Suleiman from the, from the previous episode is one of the guys pulling the trigger and, and supporting him. Um, so the Gama actually won four battles um and when you're when you're in the game it constantly comes up that the the uh the Algazi guy is saying that he died like a coward and his guys are saying that they have to fight to defend his honor um so basically he didn't want to be a uh he wanted to be chivalrous in his death, not a coward. Um, and so he was trying to help the emperor of Ethiopia, which is uh, this guy. And I'm probably butchering these names, Mike. Excuse me. But um, Jawadios. And so he's got his 400 musketeers, um, which are men-at-arms with arquebuses arquebuses and, and basically those are musketeers is what we would call them um in english he also had 400 pikemen and bombards some bombard cannons that was kind of cool in the game that pikemen were one of the very few units that you actually could build and um so that that was a nice little kind of nod to historical accuracy that when i'm playing i'm like this is stupid why can't i get pikemen's but that's actually what he had musketeers and pikemen's and so the battle took place in the Ethiopian highlands in the city of Debarwa. Um, so I did a lot of Google Earth scrolling in my research for this one. That's not currently in Ethiopia, but at the time, most part of the Ethiopian, I guess, empire. It's currently in the country of um, 
Eretia. <laughs> and um, the bar was a port city that everyone wanted because, you know, there's mineral deposits in that area. So um, the Gama meets Queen Wangle. And this was part of an Ethiopian group that did not want to be ruled by the Ottomans. And so that's how they ended up opposed to Al-Ghazi. So you have kind of the Ottoman Empire from the east and the Portuguese from the west. They come to Ethiopia and a little bit like we see with the um, American colonies, some of the indigenous peoples align with one side, some with the other. Uh, So basically... This group in Ethiopia, Queen Wangal and her son, they do not want to be ruled by Sultan Suleiman. And so sort of out of necessity, they end up allied with the Portuguese, Christopher da Gama, and his right around 800 men. Um, so she was up in the mountains at this place called Debre Damo, and da Gama left his arsenal there. Um so, like I said, he won four battles. So, the first battle is on February 2nd in 1542. This is the Battle of Basente. And um, basically, he only lost eight men, and he took a hill. And this was the first thing that showed um, the local tribes that the Portuguese were, could be successful in this battle against the the Ottoman Empire, and that it would be, they would be, that the local tribes would be safe if they allied with the Portuguese. Now, the Queen Wangal didn't want to fight this battle. She wanted to wait for her son um, to come back with his army. And the Gama basically said, We're not waiting anymore. I'm, I'm taking the fight to the Ottomans. So the uh, the next two battles. Um, are at this place called Jarte, I think is how you say it. And so the first battle had alerted um, Ahmad Grogan, El Ghazi, that there was an army there. And so they're in the Wadjurit Mountains. And I looked up, that's about 240 miles southeast of the last battle, which is a bit of a hike. So some of the Gama's men were trying to reach um a ship because they wanted to get horses and uh they they're not with him for the battle and so al ghazi sends a messenger who says to um the gama you've got you've got three choices you can leave join al ghazi or you can die and they sent what's they called it a monk's habit. It was his robe, and that was an insult. And it somehow meant that the Gama was feminine. Um, so the Gama <laughs> sent back a pair of tweezers, which he said were for Al Ghazi's eyebrows, and a mirror, which was also an, a, a, bigger, a more harsh thing of your feminine. This is kind of crazy to me that these guys would trash talk like that. Because they're trying to kill each other. Like, it's not sports. It's not football. It's not basketball. Or, like, they're trash talking. They're um, they're literally trying to kill each other. And they're just, like, insulting each other. So, um, so, in April, they fight again. 
The Portuguese win again. They wound um, Ahmad Grogan Al Ghazi. And um, basically, they get their camp real close to his. They fight again 12 days later, and the, Por- the Portuguese win again. And they never got those horses from that ship, or they felt that they could have eliminated his forces. So they didn't eliminate the forces, and then that's kind of where the game starts. But that's the background. that they The Portuguese have been there for a while. They've actually been winning a lot of battles. Um, and then they get kind of caught. They're, they're on the run, and they Gama gets captured. And basically, Al-Ghazi tortures him to death. Um, I couldn't really find details on, on the torture beyond it started with, he took the tweezers, Al Ghazi took the tweezers that the Gama sent him and started plucking out his beard hair by hair. Um, which I don't know if you have a beard. I get, you know, like a lot of people ingrown hairs sometimes on my neck when I shave. So I actually have plucked out individual hairs kind of on my neck and beard, um, one sucks, you know, to have it done to my face until I was clean shaven, basically. Sounds awful. And that was the start of the torture. Um, eventually, you know, the gamma is, is executed, dies. And uh, that's when the game starts. Ba- basically, the Portuguese and um, Queen Wongol and her son, Joe uh, Wadewos, they're able to to beat back the uh, Al Ghazi. One of the reasons that the Gama was kind of reckless earlier on and didn't want to wait for a Queen Wongo's son was that she was kind of making it sound like he had a really big army, her son. And in the game, he has what you would think would be a fairly large army. Apparently, he only actually had like 70 followers at that time with him that were that were fit to fight. And so that's actually kind of accurate in the game. It's right around 70 units when he shows up. Um, so the, the game, I got the sense from the game that there was actually a lot more bloodshed than there probably was just because the numbers are so small and we're talking about less than a thousand people between, um, Jawadewo's army and Dagama. We're talking about less than a thousand guys and, um, you know, they're fighting over two years. So they, and they fight four different battles before the one where you, where they actually win, um, but, you know, there was just a lot of guys on the map. Um, and there, there was almost probably more one-to-one to, to uh, history than I thought. But, like, the, the Ottoman or Al-Ghazi's troops send so many people against you in the, um, in the game. Um, so kind of interesting, but I thought that one was a lot. Uh, there's a lot more to learn about that one than the uh, capture of Algiers. Um, like, like I said a bunch of times, Google Earth's really cool to me to check all this stuff out. I definitely recommend it. You can kind of see the current political boundaries, but a lot of the names of the towns and the lakes, if you go through the more detailed description on like Wikipedia or whatever, are still the same. So you can get a pretty good sense of you know where they were. They were marching all over um that region of of northern africa so it was pretty pretty cool to learn about again like this is something i'd never heard about 
you know, the Gama's son, the the conquistador or whatever, the Gama, having um, kind of an explorer son who ends up tortured and killed uh, at the hands of an enemy. Pretty pretty wild to me. I found it interesting. Um, so hopefully you did as well. All right, so that's pretty much it. Um, I have beaten the the next historical campaign in AOE 3, so I'll start doing research for that. Uh, I think that'll be pretty interesting. Again, it's a battle I knew nothing about. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about the actual level and the history. Um, hoping to get the next podcast up as soon as possible. Hoping to have a 2v2 kind of commentary. Um, again, I, I feel bad <laughs> that I didn't this time. Really sorry about that. Hope you guys are enjoying the 2v2 World Cup. It's a great idea what I've been able to watch. I've loved um, like I said, I don't know, unless you're playing 2v2, I don't know how much you're learning, but it's still super interesting and you're still getting to see the micro of some of the best players on the planet, which is, which is cool. Um, so anyway, again, my apologies for the long hiatus. Um, you know, certain times of the year, I'm hoping to do more than one podcast a week, certain times of the year. And unfortunately it might be more like once a month, but, um, hope you guys are enjoying playing all three of the games the uh excuse me first expansion pack god sorry allergies is um is coming out soon for uh aoe three i believe and then um jump on jump on that insiders club i haven't had a, a ton of time to delve into it but i got my email the trebuchet tribune that just had some updates and news it was the same stuff that i got logging into the games um but you know like i said i haven't really had a ton of time to get into that insiders club it's not a bad thing though it's not a waste of time for sure i'll give it that recommendation um so anyway questions comments concerns feedback positive negative on the show Definitely give me a shout. Um, Xbox message me. Gamer tag Kingdom of God K A N E D O M space of space God. And um, again, my apologies for the long delay, but I will talk to you guys soon. Later.